Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. In 1620, the Pilgrim Fathers and the Mayflowers set sail from Plymouth to explore the new world. More than 400 years later, Darren from Plymouth explores today's new world. Darren from Plymouth is D.D. Denslow, and he's digging deeper on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. Yes, you're with me, D.D. Denslow, on my final hour of Digging Deeper here in 2023. Uh, I am going to be joined in just a few moments uh, with uh, or by Anne-Marie Waters. She was there giggling away because uh, studio, bless them, big shout out to Cam in the studio today. He played the Seagulls intro, which I haven't heard for a little while, but that always puts a smile on my guest face. We should play it at the beginning of every show cam uh just thought i'd let you know that uh okay uh i'm just gonna do a quick story here before i go to Anne marie um this is this is from the uk covid inquiry uh or more to do with uh, the people who profited from covid michelle moan uh, a friend of our own katie hopkins no less admits she stands to benefit from 60 million in PPE profit, £60 million, that is, not face masks. Uh, Michelle Moan has admitted that she stands to benefit from tens of millions of pounds of profit from personal protective equipment sold to the UK government during the pandemic by a company led by her husband. After several years of denying her role in the deal between the government and the firm PPE MedPro, the firm, a conservative peer, has admitted in an exclusive interview that she is a beneficiary of her husband's financial trusts, which hold around £60 million of profit from the deal but she says she and her husband Doug Barrowman never heard of him have been made scapegoats for the government's wider filings of PPE Baroness Moan has repeatedly denied that she had profited from the deal when she first discussed with government ministers including Michael Gove but when asked by the BBC if she stands to gain she says if one day if God forbid my husband passes away before me then I am a beneficiary as well as his children and my children so yes of course but she had always denied it so her husband no we didn't profit from ppe thanks for making me a lord in the house of peers uh and now she's coming out and saying yeah i did profit it from it so what if my husband dies i don't get the money until then so uh what was his name doug barrowman yeah i'll be very careful if i were you doug mate uh i would check your brakes before you get in the car uh and i would uh taste that wine that expensive wine that you're drinking i'll get someone to taste it before you have a sip because your wife plans or, or will get a lot of money from ppe contracts if you accidentally or have an accident in any way okay big shout out to everybody in the live chat uh keep your questions coming in if you've got any questions for uh Anne-Marie I will try to pass them on uh we will be me and Anne-Marie will be talking um uh primarily about immigration and UK politics um Anne-Marie is a former leader of 
uh, Britain's first. She is the justice spokesman for UKIP. Uh, oh, I'm getting a head shake. That's good. That's a good starting point from when we have our conversation. She is a Hartlepool parliamentary uh, candidate and author of Beyond Terror, Islam's Slow Erosion of Western Democracy. Uh, Anne-Marie, welcome to the show. You are my last guest Hi. of the year. So be honoured, be honoured. You are shaking Ooh, my I head. Am. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, 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 the the honour's all mine. If you must know, you're on a list of names of people that I wanted to talk to. Uh, and I finally got around to you, but you were shaking my head. Which bit of what I was just saying made you shake your head? I was never involved with Britain first. Good. Okay. I apologise um, for saying that. And, and and wouldn't be, um, frankly. Um, now, my party was for Britain. I understand. For Britain. That's because I'm going off the top. They're quite different. I was going off the top of my head and I wasn't really reading my notes. And that is why I made that faux pas. I do, I, I do apologize. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, Amory, you could introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, tell them who you are uh, and what you're all about. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I started out politically. I've been in politics for about 20, 20 plus years now. I started out in the Labour Party and, uh, dramatically well actually i wouldn't say i dramatically changed i did a little bit but i think it was more that the uh, the labor party changed uh people who had in the past stood for things that i believed in stopped standing for those things um we were mired in a hypocrisy about immigration about islam uh in particular those two things and the Labour Party, I, I'd left it by that time, but the Labour Party was so politically wedded to multiculturalism that it allowed, yes, allowed thousands of girls to be raped under its watch. There is no, this is an untenable, how anyone could still remain a member of that party is unthinkable to me. I joined UKIP after that. I stood for Parliament for UKIP a few times. I've written a couple of books, one of them about democracy, one of them about Islamic immigration into the West. Uh, and I started for Britain. I said I would give it five years. I did. Um, we lost a lot of support during COVID and it wasn't financially tenable after a while. So I've now gone back to UKIP because I think that's the only household name with the right politics. It has the right balance for me as well. Some of the parties are too extreme for my liking, uh, while others are very, very weak. So UKIP to me had struck the right balance and I have returned um, in the name of unity, we talk about uniting the right, don't we? Um, I actually agree with it for the to an extent. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll make some moves into that, into uniting the right and return to UKIP. And I'm now it's just a spokesman and parliamentary candidate for Hartlepool. Uh -huh. Yeah, uniting the right um, would yeah. be an ideal. We're actually very, very fragmented. We've got the Conservatives who aren't on the right, are they? Uh, they're, they're as, as no. socialist as they come. Uh, and then we've got these other, we've got the Heritage Party, UKIP. There are a lot of these uh, the reform. Are they on the right? Are they are they just Tory light? I don't know. Uh, we've got Reclaim with uh, Laws Fox uh, and some other small, just frowning at me again. I forget that we're live on TV. We've only just started going alive on tv so, so normally so i explain I, I, people's my expressions heart is on my sleeve i that's wear good. my heart on my sleeve i cannot control what i feel is shown that that i can't control that's so good. i just thought i'd get that in there early 
Keep frowning, keep frowning. I like it, I like it. Uh, you said, that, so we've got the, the fragmented uh, conservative uh, parties, if you want to call it, or on the right, or yeah. some might say they're on the far right. Uh, but you also you said are. that some some of the parties or groups have become too extreme. What do you mean by that statement? What parties, well, what groups have become too I'm not talking extreme? about become too extreme. They just are too extreme for me. Um, some of them, I would argue, are on the far right, whereas I'm not, and I never have been. Um, I don't like anti-Semitism, for example. Mm -hmm. I think some of these parties are riddled with it. I don't like misogyny. Um, I don't like calling gay people degenerates and this sort of language. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the parties, which is... Uh, uh, and and uh, I, I, What's her name? Jada Franson. She was involved with Britain First, which is why I shook my head and said I wouldn't okay. be involved in that. She's called me horrific names based All on right. personal attributes, which I don't like. I don't like this behavior. Yeah, I don't yeah. like those attitudes. And uh, this is why I would never be involved with certain mm. people on the right. And I think UKIP yeah. has that that balance, right? It's tough. It's against the immigration and the multiculturalism, but it's not mm. nasty. Um, and, and doesn't attack people for being Jewish or gay or anything. This is not uh -huh. me. That's not for me. Um, yeah. You mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Jada. I've actually had Jada on my show uh, as a guest. She has actually left some of the more extreme groups that she was in. I didn't realize that you, you had. The one she's um, in now is, is horrendous. Is it? I, I'm not. Well, I I didn't know. I, I'm fairly I'm fairly neutral. I don't really apply to any political party. I've actually stood in elections myself uh, as an independent uh, candidate. Uh, how, how do you see? Uh, would you? How do you see the current sort of political landscape in the UK? And I am talking conservatives and Labour because there's not really anything outside of that in terms of decision making uh, in London. How do you see that situation? What's your opinion uh, on this makeup of the political system here in the UK? And how, what do you think is going to happen in 2024? It is, it is thoroughly, thoroughly outrageous. Uh, there may be minuscule differences between Labour and the Conservatives. But look, we are acting as a country, we are acting like it is totally normal that thousands of people land on our beaches every month. Uh, we are acting like that's normal. That is a crisis. That is an existential threat to our safety, our peace, our democracy. And both parties are just letting it happen. We, nobody can get through at, as things stand. No one can get through who would actually stop this. I don't believe anyone is in the media who would actually stop it. If they would actually stop it, they wouldn't be in the media. I'm referring uh -huh. to some of the parties that you've mentioned, like reform. Um, I, if you, if you are, would genuinely do it, if you are to say that uh, we are Europeans, we are white Europeans, we are entitled to not become a minority in our countries, uh, you will immediately be dismissed as a Nazi and a fascist when every other group in the world is entitled to a ethnic homeland. Only Europeans are not, only white Europeans are not. Now that needs saying, that is a major issue. It's a difficult issue, but this is why we need strong, intelligent people. Uh, we don't have them. This is mm -hmm. not only not discussed in the House of Commons, but if you dared to try to discuss it in the House of Commons, we all know what would happen. Can you imagine an MP standing up and saying what I've just said? They, 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 it would be a national scandal. Their career would be destroyed, which is why none of them will do it. The press would tear shreds off them, uh, which is why none of them will do it. We are led 
by weaklings and cowards who are doing nothing at all about the most significant, important issue that faces this country. That is the immigration. And uh, 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 what do I see happening in 2024? Uh, uh, my nightmare, a Labour government. Um, now, I've said there's only a cigarette paper between the two, which there is, but uh -huh. there are still significant differences which are important. Do I want both parties out? Yes. But failing that, let me give you an example. Um, when Nigel Farage's uh, bank closed his account, this was outrageous. If Labour had been in government, Labour would have sided with the banks. But the Tories sided with Farage and we had a little victory. That's why it's important. I think if Labour got into government, they would make it illegal to misgender somebody. Yeah. That's why it's the Tories won't do that. So we have minimal, teeny, tiny, better with the Tories than with Labour. Tiny. But neither of them are going to do a damn thing, frankly, excuse my language, about the biggest crisis this country has faced since the Second World War. You're not even allowed to talk about it. And if someone tries to get into Parliament on the basis that we need to talk about this, the press will attempt to destroy them. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. That's where mm -hmm. British politics is right now. I actually, uh, and you talked about the weaklings in charge, and we have got worlds, we've got the world's shortest ever PM in charge. And no, I'm not talking about Liz Truss, I'm talking about Rishi Giant Feet Sunak, uh, a right clown that he is. And I saw he was on headlines on the Daily Mail, probably on some of the other Daily Rags as well. Uh, and the uh, headline was uh, Rishi Sunak, illegal immigration is overwhelming the UK. And then I got back from my walk to get ready to come on air to talk to you. Anne-Marie and I already see in the more left-leaning uh, mainstream outlets on places like Twitter uh, that they were absolutely demonizing him for making that statement. He's telling the truth but is he just positioning himself to be opposition uh, for a Starmer government by making some of these statements about the small boat people, about illegal immigration, about net zero or the trans stuff. They know they're toast. They've wrecked the country for the last 12, 15 years. Um, and so now they're going to go, oh, we all those immigrants that we let in, all those people from Africa, we put in four star hotels. Yeah, that's overwhelming the country. Uh, is he just positioning himself as opposition now? Quite probably, actually, yes. And and because people have such short memories, when Labour do get in and the whole thing just spirals and spirals and spirals, that's what the Tories will do. They will stand on the other side of the House of Commons and say, this is all your fault. And then we'll have this pattern again. Hopefully not, actually. But this is if things go on as normal, uh, then we'll have a few years of Labour. The Tories will attack them over the state of the place. And then we'll put the Tories back in. And it'll all just continue because neither of them are representing the British people. Both of them have outside influences uh, pushing them in, in a certain direction, the direction of open borders and a new world order and all of the um, World Economic Forum, United Nations, World Health Organization, all of their, their global elite uh, open borders, particularly in the West, they're the ones pushing this. We have uh, Starmer is a puppet. Uh, Sunak is a puppet. That is essentially what they are. They're not acting in the interests of the British people. They're acting in the interests of billionaire elites um, on globalist bodies. Uh, that's the problem, of course. They've they've forgotten about us and, and the fact that we put them in power. But do we, at the same time, what... Uh, 
It's very difficult to know what to do other than to say, stop voting for them and vote for someone else. Um, that yeah. is obviously the solution, but people are not listening to that. So minus a massive catastrophe, such as a major terrorist incident that kills a thousand people, for minus something as catastrophic as that, as that I can't see how we're going to be pushed in another direction. I, I it's it's terribly depressing, um, but people are afraid of change. They're afraid to vote differently. They have been stuck with Labour and Tories for generations. And as bad as it is, at least we know it. Um, God knows what will happen if we did something differently, I think is the fear. And I think that fear is greater than the fear that mm. the country is open to all and sundry. I, I mm. actually think there are some dark days ahead. I've said it for years. Um, I still think it. Um, but I'm optimistic that what, what could come at the end of that. Maybe we need... Um, Maybe we need a great reset, um, just not the one that Klaus Schwab wants. I think I think actually there is a race on. We've got Schwabby baby, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, great reset. And then we've got a group of people, we'll call them the yeah. awakened people, if you want. Yeah. Uh, they're also sort of leading the charge. And this is a publicly led grassroots yeah. charge for a great reset. And it's a case of, uh, of who wins. And you're right, there are dark days ahead. I suspect there are 360. Five days of their of dark days coming in 2024 but after darkness there must come some light so i'm eternally uh hopeful as we all are here on tnt radio we're going to a quick break now um uh Anne marie and then when we come back i want to talk about ukip now some of their policies particularly with focus on immigration what, what if ukip got into power what would they do to solve the illegal immigration problem? In fact, the immigration, net immigration, uh, immigration as a, 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 an all-encompassing topic. How do we deal with that? What do we do with the people that are already here? And actually, there was a pinned tweet on your uh, Twitter account. Don't stick things on Twitter. I'm a bit of a Twitter person. I went and had a look. Uh, and this is what you would do if this as this country's PM. So I'm going to ask you, what would you do if you were Prime Minister, Anne-Marie? So please stay. Stay right with us here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out. And I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, 
and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, Dee Dee Denzel, on a Sunday edition of Digging Deeper. I'm talking to uh, Anne-Marie Waters. We're talking about UK politics, uh, what's going to happen in the general election, the malaise of the public who just go red, blue. They don't have red, blue. Uh, and uh, I actually have got a story. I'll quickly tell you, uh, Anne-Marie. Uh, when I first stood in a local election in 2021, mm. I stood against immigration, tax on our street names and statues, COVID mandates in particular, vaccines and masks, big on that. Uh, and I was talking to two old ladies up on the hoe. Uh, and I was with me and my mate, Danny Bampin, he was standing as well. Uh, I was going, oh, who did you vote for? Uh, and they go, oh, we're not going to tell you. And then we explained, oh, we're independent candidates. Oh, I'm in the ward that you voted in, blah, blah, blah. We're, we, if you keep voting for the same people, nothing changes. You need change. But all, all the usual independent uh, uh, politics, political speech. <laughs> and, and then afterwards they went, yeah, we agree with everything you're saying we've got to change we've got to do and it's like oh who did you vote for oh we always vote for conservative yeah and the other lady was i always vote for labor uh, and this is actually a true story uh, and it's people have been brainwashed they have a mechanical behavior you could i can go around and speak to ten thousand people before an election and they all say they're going to vote for me and then i turn up at the ballot box or they turn up at the ballot box and they just tick red or blue because they know nothing different uh any comments on that how do we change that how do we change that I, if i had the answer to that uh, but I've had that conversation so many times. You and people who won't vote at all. Um, I think actually perhaps that should be our target if we want to change it, is people who don't vote at all. Um, we need to get them out. They could yeah. change the direction of the country. Um, but you see, the problem you've got, and I've had, like I say, I've had that conversation several times. People will say, I'll vote for you, and they don't. Uh, and then they'll say they want change, they're tired of having, and then they go and vote for Labour or Tory. Um, how do we change it? Well, part of the part of the, I'm going to say another problem now rather than a solution. But part of the problem is that even good people who do want to do things differently don't get. We don't. We're not trusted because politics is so solid, and it's solid because of the behaviour of politicians. So that's something we need to overcome. I don't know. I look, I, I will try anything this time around. I'm going to try a very different type of campaign. Um, something quirky, something eye-catching, 
try and get, uh, I mean, the media won't touch me, so I'll need to put things around in the streets. I've got, I intend to rent some uh, uh, vans and, and, and drive around with music playing and, 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 you know, oratory. Um, I try, I intend to do, I can't give too many details of the, but, but something eye catching and quirky that is intended to attract people who don't normally engage in politics, mm -hmm. something a little bit different. But I don't have the answer to that question. If I had it, I'd have used it by now. Um, the big, 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 big issue is trust. And I think maybe a bit of humor, a bit of something different will show people that you're not just another politician. Uh, maybe they can take a, a, a punt and trust you. Just maybe. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to get a message across to them. Well, look, you've got nothing to lose by voting for me. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think quirky, different public displays that make people laugh, that make people engage. This may be, and this is what I'm going to try this time. I'll let you know how I get on. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll be I'm trying and testing lots of different things. I'll be happy to have you back on here on my show or any of the on the of the, the UK broadcast shows on TNT to help push your campaign, Anne-Marie. That's, uh, that's, that's a given. But I, I'm sure, and I haven't got the live chat open right now, I've just closed it, but I reckon if I went and looked there now, there will be people in there screaming saying, don't vote. The answer to our problems is to not vote. What do you think about that narrative? Because we will probably see a lot of that in 2024, where people yeah. are saying, don't vote. We're giving them our power. If nobody voted, they wouldn't have a mandate and therefore they wouldn't be able to do any of the things that they could do. In fact, they really? need, would need to be tough. Well, this is just a, 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 I'm not saying that this is true. No, no, no. Uh, I, I understand. Uh, but this, this is what people feel yeah. or think. Stop yeah. voting. What do you say to that? Um, well, you're giving them exactly what they want, if that's the case. If you really, anyone who really, I'd like to understand the, practical application of this philosophy of let's not vote. How does that work? How are you not, get, do you think they're going to say, well, you know what, nobody voted, so let's all go home. They they have power. They're going to keep it until we take it away from them. Now yeah. we can do that two ways. We can do that with guns or we can do that with a ballot box. I would, some people think guns. Uh, eventually, uh, maybe that <laughs> will be the only option left. And, I, and genuinely, um, you cannot push a people. So there's only so far people will be pushed yep. before violence is their only option. I, I'm a grown up. I understand that. Um, but in the meantime, let's not willy nilly walk into armed conflict. Um, and let's try. Let's just try the ballot box because we don't know what we can achieve with the ballot box because nobody goes out. The right people are not doing it. So how can you know whether the ballot box works if you give up on the ballot box? Let's try it. Before we resolve to mass civil it's conflict false. or civil disobedience or bring society to a halt, let's give voting a try because we haven't. We haven't. We haven't but tried. By voting, not red or blue. But let's give voting a try. Oh, exactly. That isn't, exactly. That isn't red or blue. And yeah. get some independent candidates or get of some course. of the smaller parties like you give. But uh, let's try. So let's just say everybody voted for UKIP, okay? And mm. voted for you, Anne Marie. And, and hopefully they do. I'll be much more welcome for uh, uh, the purple rosette to win. It is a purple rosette than it would be for it a is. blue or red. All right. Uh, yeah. How are UKIP? 
going to, with particular focus on immigration, but some of the other, you know, the trans issue, we just had an advert about that, yeah. or um, uh, uh, COVID, uh, the economy. How are UKIP going to make a difference to the UK? Well, let's, we'll start with immigration. The policies are quite, they're quite extensive. So I will pick what I think is the most important aspects of the policy. Um, and primarily, the country needs its independence back which is why UK Independence Party is still hugely relevant despite the so-called Brexit. This country is not independent. And I say that because we can make a decision as a country and then some foreign court can decide to overturn that decision because we are signed up to so many treaties and to so many bodies that we are effectively not governing ourselves. UKIP will withdraw from all of them. The Human Rights Act goes. That has to scrap. The Human Rights Act, to me, the first thing, if I was Prime Minister, the first thing I would do is put the Human Rights Act into the shredder. It is a disaster. And it was always intended to do what it does. Let's take it for a moment. It's supposed to protect our human rights. When the government decided to imprison us in our homes and check through our shopping trolleys to see what we were buying and try to stop us speaking to our neighbours, the Human Rights Act did precisely nothing to protect 100%. our rights. Uh, the Human Rights Act does not, nothing to keep us safe from foreigners that we don't know who they are, what they're doing here, what intentions they have, and we know, particularly against women, they're going to commit crimes. The Human Rights Act, was a safety, by the way, is covered by the Human Rights Act. Where is the concern for our safety? The mm -hmm. government is currently tying itself up in knots, trying to make sure people it sends to Rwanda are safe. It doesn't give a damn about whether we're safe or not. And this is all. The Human Rights Act was always intended to give a person from uh, uh, Eritrea the same rights in Britain as a British citizen. Therefore, there is no point at all in being a British citizen. Therefore, Britain ceases to exist as a nation and uh, your open borders job is done. The Human Rights Act is a shambles and all it does is keep foreign terrorists and rapists in this country. That is the only thing it doesn't protect our rights at all that has to go un convention on refugees that's a vote out. winner for me for me Several that's a vote winner. they all have to go they the european court of human rights can you can guess what the european court of human rights can do but we need someone in any even if we just get one person in parliament who will stand up and say the human rights the european court of human rights can frankly shove it we are not having this. If we want to deport people from our country, we can deport them. To me, withdrawing from these arrangements, from these bodies and these treaties is the most important thing this country, the first most important thing this country can do. Second one, we need a physical barrier in the English Channel. The UKIP is proposing a border guard, downgrading the border force or the border farce, as so many people call it, and instituting an actual guard it will be called a border guard it will be on the english channel it will take these people and send them back to where they came from before they even get to land if they don't tell us where they come back where they are from then they go back to france 
this is this is this is simple. A five-year-old could tell you that this is all that needs to happen. That's all that needs to. Happen. But the reason it doesn't happen is because we are led by politicians who care for their own cushy lives, their own high-status careers, the money. They are not going to rock the boat. These are simple, simple things. Another thing UK will do is stop legal immigration. No points system, no one in, one out, as reformers proposing. That essentially will allow you to replace the British population with a foreign population and expect it still to be Britain. It can't yeah. be Britain if the British people aren't in it. So this mm -hmm. nonsense, this is all political correctness. This is all trying to persuade the world that we are all alike. All races are the like, all cultures are alike. We're all the same. You can take all the British out of Britain, it'll still be Britain. No, it won't. No, it mm. won't. So legal immigration, no quotas or no uh, point system, but a quota based solely on economic need and a, a, a otherwise a complete moratorium on in, immigration altogether. None except small amounts that are needed for economic needs while we reshape our economy so we're less reliant on immigrants. Now, one thing, who are the immigrants who are coming? People, again, with politically correct lines will say, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what colour you are, what religion you are. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. And until we start admitting that, we are getting nowhere. If we need immigrants, why not people from South America? Why, why does it have to be Bangladesh or Afghanistan? And also, we crucially, crucially, end this refugee asylum seeker sham. All of it has to go. And that is what UKIP is saying. We're withdrawing from all of these refugee arrangements. No, 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 no. This was put together in the year 51. And after Jews in Europe had legitimately sought asylum, um, that's, this is legitimate asylum. Of course, with the Jewish fle Jews fleeing the Nazis was a legitimate asylum. And people were right, including this country, to take people in. What is coming here now is not asylum seeker, not uh -huh. refugee. It is people mm -hmm. fleeing the poverty, frankly, that they created themselves. Your country mm -hmm. is a reflection of you as a people. And if their countries are poor and racked in uh, crime and poverty, that is their own making. Now, they will bring that with them here. And that is exactly what's happening. We have ghettos, all dependent, uh, with huge majorities dependent on, on social benefits. Uh, ghettoization, contempt for us, uh, crime, high crime, all of the things that made their countries so bad they wanted to leave it are now becoming enclaves in our country, mm -hmm. as was inevitable. You have, again, a five-year-old can tell you this. A five-year-old. Mm -hmm. If we do those things, the whole picture changes. The whole picture changes. Yeah. Um you mentioned Eritrea. I actually, so this is, this is it's not like a shocking moment because everyone, I, I bring it, whenever I talk about immigration, I bring this up. Uh, I actually live with three Eritrean lads. I suspect they're probably off the boat. They work here. I've lived, they've lived in this property. They don't live with me, but uh, right. uh, for about three or four years, uh, for about three years. And they are actually the best neighbors I've ever had. Uh, they're, they're good guys. And if, Amor you keep going, Harry, and Amory's going, right, we're going to round them all up and deport them on that. I might say, well, can we just keep these guys? So they're not all bad people, but there is a large element or criminal element that is coming into this country. Uh, and I just want to, you know, I'll just say that because, I, you know, I've got to know some... Pardon? Yeah, you can, can I respond to that? 
Yeah. Of course, yeah. I don't think they're all bad people. That's yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying that you do. I'm it's really not, not the point. This yeah, is not. That, this country doesn't oh. belong to the world. It belongs uh -huh. to its own people. Um, mm. Europe doesn't belong to the world. It belongs to Europeans. Mm. Um, now, that is the case for every other culture and society on Earth except for ours. I want us mm -hmm. to reassert that. It's yeah. not about um, everyone being bad. Of course, I know not everyone is no. bad, but that's really not the point. It's a I, dramatic I, transformation of European culture and society, which we don't want, we don't deserve, We despite the rhetoric, we don't deserve to have our countries taken from us like this. Um, and and it it really isn't a bad and I, I'm always amazed by there seems to be an inevitability about people moving to the West. You know, no one ever says, well, why do people have to come here in the first place? Why does the whole world have to come to the West in the first place? No one ever asked that question. It seems like it's settled that, yes, of course, people must come here. It's just a matter of how many and how we do it. And I'm saying, no, no, there's no settlement here. And why are people why? Is it inevitable that the Western world belongs to the whole world? It doesn't. It belongs to us. We built uh -huh. it. We mm. built it. So why does it belong to the four corners of the world? But yet it's treated as an inevitability that it does. It's just a matter of how we organize it. I'm mm. saying, no, it doesn't. Mm. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, 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 seems like, it seems like there's some sort of grand conspiracy afoot. Uh, and that they are deliberately trying to re-engineer socially yeah. uh, Europe, the white yeah. west of the yeah. world. Uh, it's, yeah. almost, it, it's almost certainly happening. And I, and I thought in Plymouth, talking about the Eritrean guys, uh, it would never happen. And then COVID come along and we all got locked down. And then they started shipping in tens of, well, not tens of thousands, but thousands of Africans into my mm -hmm. city. I live in a city center and it's gone from being 99.99999 white city or at least where i live to something very very uh, diverse uh, and inclusive i think is what they like to call it so it does seem that there is some sort of agenda afoot we're going to a break in a minute so we're going to talk about that but um very very quickly so your prime minister UKIP have just smashed. Everyone's gone out and they've not voted for Conservative and Labour. Uh, and this is pinned to the top of your Twitter profile. Uh, uh, if I was the country's PM, hundreds of thousands deported. No further immigration at all from a list of designated countries. Fair enough. Um, uh, no benefits for immigrants until they've contributed. Can, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, Sharia cancels and burqas banned. And this one, massive yep. military recruitment drive. Mm. Uh, the Sharia councils, we'll come, we'll come on to Islam specifically uh, after the break. Uh, the massive military recruitment drive. Uh, why have you added that one in? Is that to round everybody up? Because No, no. It's to strengthen the country. This country is not capable of defending itself at present without without outside help. Now, I'm all for alliances among Western countries. I want us to have alliances with our Western allies mm. and our friends. A country needs its friends. I'm not suggesting we pull down the shutters and live completely on our own at all. Um, but but we do need to be able to survive on our own if it came to it. At, current, at present, we can't. Uh, that has to change. I think there are a lot of young people across this country with very little purpose, very little direction. Um, I would give them a purpose and I would, but I would give them a country to fight for, but it must be a country worth fighting for. I think uh -huh. we can give a lot of young people purpose, dignity, discipline, and make the country safer and more patriotic at the same time. That's why I would have a massive military recruitment drive and I would fund it by ending foreign aid. 
Yeah, and I'm sure uh, many would see that as also a, a vote winner, Anne-Marie. I, I certainly would vote for the five things that you put there. Uh, the massive military recruitment drive. It would help if we didn't give all our weaponry and all our money to other people to go and blow up at each other. Maybe we keep them for ourselves and stick a few Navy ships in the channel. That could be uh, Anne-Marie's... Oh, I've been an advocate for torpedoes for the last 12 months. I get a lot of flack, but uh, I do think torpedoes are a very effective deterrent to dinghies. Yeah, one torpedo, the dinghies will stop. All right, uh, before I get myself into trouble, uh, we're going to a break now. And then when we come back, uh, there has been an incident in Ireland. A hotel has been set aflame. Uh, this is the uh, a violent solution versus a political solution. So, and we'll talk about the Islamification of Europe and the Kalerji plan. Oh my God, that sounds like a conspiracy. Please stay right here with us on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack, and it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. This is Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to uh, TNT Radio. Yes, this is me, D.D. Denslow, on my last 15 minutes of 2023, live here on TNT Radio with Digging Deeper. I'm here with Amory Waters. Got plenty of comments coming in about pitchforks, about political solutions, about torpedoes. In Ireland, they're using fire. And actually, uh, the Rose Lake House Hotel in Galway, County Galway, and I think that's in East Ireland. Uh, my geography of Ireland isn't that great. It was set on fire last night. Uh, that hotel has been empty, or is it West Ireland? Has been empty for a couple of years, I believe. Uh, but it was bit, had been earmarked to house uh, 70 new arrivals. Ireland uh, has been uh, at the centre of the immigration topic for the last few weeks. There was trouble on the streets they've got some violent crime being committed by people who aren't irish uh are we seeing pub the people now starting to rise up we're seeing it in ireland red hair quite fiery they're now protesting the streets they're 
getting quite violent, not violent, but there's been some trouble. Uh, and uh, we're seeing the sort of the, um, the rhetoric and language coming out of Ireland that they're really sort of getting a bit pissed off and no more. Now we've got a hotel on fire. Are we going to see more of this? I think so. I think so. It's, it's, it's almost as if um, the Irish seem to be a bit further along the path to destruction. And that's partly because it's so small. It's a tiny country, four or five million population, um, much, much easier to be outnumbered. Um, mm -hmm. But this has been coming for a long time. I grew you can probably tell by the accent, I grew up um, in Dublin. Yeah. My childhood was in Dublin. Um, now, I've got to tell you, this is how much Ireland has changed. I moved to, the first time I set foot in London, I was a teenager, and I'd never seen a black person in real life. And I grew up in the centre of Dublin, and I'd never seen a black person in real life, only on television, mm. until the first time I set foot in London as a teenager. Now, mm. um, now you have vast, um, uh, uh, in Dublin, black gangs uh, doing similar to what I know uh, to what they do in London. That is out astonishing to me. That I cannot tell you how much that blows my mind. Mm -hmm. um, there are Muslims in positions I mean. of authority. In I mean, in, in Limerick, uh, the yeah. deputy mayor of Limerick. Yeah. Once the rioters who protest who, who ran amok after this child had her throat cut on a street in the centre of Dublin, um, wanted them all shot in the head. You know, it, this is this is astonishing beyond belief to me. But this has been happening for about twenty or thirty years, and it's it's almost as if the Irish have hit a wall, and it slowly crept up on them, and now suddenly the the scales have fallen away, and they're thinking, "What the hell is happening to us?" Uh -huh. uh, and yes, I'm not surprised, knowing the Irish as I do, I'm not surprised that they burned down this hotel. Um, I, I expect a lot more of it. I think that Ireland could be in a little bit of trouble because already when you had the um, the riots in Dublin in response to that little girl having her throat cut, um, the the um, Prime Minister, the Taoiseach, came back with rules to stop them protest, you know, to, to crack down on the Irish. Um, that will happen in response to this hotel being burned down. You've got the potential of real violent conflict between the ruling class and the rest. And I think it's very, very close in Ireland. And the reason I think it's further along is simply size. There's just so much smaller that they've been outnumbered so much more quickly. Yeah. We're yeah. all I mean, going I never, I, I, and I'm with you with the whole gobsmack. I saw, I saw a yeah. picture. I shared a picture uh, of that character, deputy mayor of Limerick. I got community noted because I said he was the mayor, but he's the deputy mayor. God damn it! But I was gobsmacked. You know, and it's not like I haven't seen somebody from India or whatever before. I was yeah. just like, this is Limerick, isn't it? Everyone white yeah. in Limerick, and they wear like little curly green shoes and hats and under the Not anymore. Not anymore. Same in Plymouth. I used to say to my oh. friend who lived and in Hartlepool. London. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, and, and, yeah, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, why? This is the question. Why is it happening? Is it to do with some dark conspiracy like the well, it's not even a dark conspiracy. Some plan like the Kalerji plan, which was penned. It's a real a real document. They even gave Merkel the Kalerji Kudenhoven award for like humanitarian reasons, and that was because of the five million people that she allowed into Germany. Why is this happening? 
Why are we being flooded? Not just here, across the West, USA, yep. Canada, Australia. We're being flooded with people who um, who are not from or not indigenous. Why? It's it's particularly the USA is a particularly disturbing. Actually, millions have crossed that border. Millions since um, yeah. Biden limped <clears throat> into the White House. Um, and if the USA falls, the West falls. And I don't think a lot of people in the West understand that it's America's military might is the reason we're not speaking Chinese. I don't think people mm -hmm. really get that. So America's very important, of course. Why is it happening? Okay, the West is targeted because we are the richest. Now, I mean, you, there are other parts of the world that are wealthy. So if we take Japan, um, that's it's it's hardly a backwater, but it doesn't have this immigration. Um, we are so I, it's a little bit of an outlier, but look, we are targeted. We are the wealthiest. Uh, we are somewhat used, especially people alive today uh, of our age, or I think you're probably a bit younger than me. Um, we've seen a bit of free. We know what freedom feels like. We've seen it, you know, relative freedom. It, no, it's never perfect. But I can remember a time when the media um, would never uh, slanderize. You know, they would never write about somebody without asking that somebody. They would never write an article without fact checking. That sort of thing is completely media honesty has completely dissolved in my life, my adult lifetime. Yeah, so yeah. these massive changes have taken place. So we've known a little bit of democracy and freedom. Um, therefore, we have to be taken down first. I do. That's why the anti-white is such a it's so pernicious and it's a global agenda to yep. take down white people because yep. we're the wealthiest and the most free. Mm -hmm. That's that's mm -hmm. why we have to be targeted. If you're going to turn the world into uh, a a surf class that obeys the demands of a, a remote billionaire elite, uh, you have to take them down a peg or two. And a lot of people around the world are already down a peg or two because they're they're living in poverty. They're used to tyrants. They're used to dictators. They're easy enough to control already. We, on the other hand, not mm -hmm. so much. We so that's why the anti-white is is so so yeah. prominent and pernicious. We have to be taken down because we're way too powerful. Um, I I do think I don't think it's a conspiracy. The word conspiracy suggests to me that it's happening behind closed doors. Uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're open about it. Have a look. <laughs> and they tell us what they're doing, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we seem to be unwilling to accept them at face value because it's too horrifying to accept. A fear. We are we are fearful. Human beings are very fearful creatures, um, and so we are too afraid to take them at their word. So we are watching them plan a new world order with them at the top, us as a surf class, poorer and poorer and poorer. Um, and that's what's planned and that's what's happening. And the West has to go. Mm -hmm. The West has a centuries and centuries tradition of freedoms and, and democracy and the, the battle between the ruler and the ruled. You know, Europe, Europe is such a fascinating, rich, historical place when it comes to freedoms. And, and, and we have to be taken down. Whitey yeah. has to go. If they're going to take over the world, they have to take down Whitey. And so, so you think? So you think uh, equity is the word they like to use? Oh, it's we, oh. We'll be, this is equity. But what they really mean is they're going to crush everything down to the lowest level, and then you're all the same. That's equity. You're all equal oh, now. Uh, you think oh, this is all about then? Is about freedom. It's the fact that people in the West voted for Brexit. They voted for Trump. Yeah. Uh, they are. Mm. They're going to push back. Uh, we are Absolutely. educated. We have our own resources and means generally, especially compared to the rest of the world. And therefore we need to crush. And to do that, they're going to flood us with the third world. And, and we did, 
and, and, and we didn't really have to spend any time in this. I know you've written books. We've only got five minutes left. And Islam. They're going to flood us with the third world and Islam. How serious should we, should we take the threat of Islam? And I'm talking, Very. you know, the, the extremist Very. element. You might say all of Islam. Go. We've only got five minutes left, mate. All of Islam is extreme. That doesn't mean every Muslim is extreme, but Islam is yeah. an extremist yeah, in okay. itself. It is an extreme yeah. religion. Agreed. It is a very yeah. violent religion. Yeah. One only has to pick up the Quran and see how violent it mm -hmm. is. One only has to look at Muslim societies and see how dysfunctional and broken they are across the board. Even if they have money like Saudi Arabia, it's still a dystopian dark society. Um, if you want to introduce conflict into a society, introduce Islam into a society. Mm -hmm. And should we take it seriously? Very. We should have been taking it seriously for decades. We have Sharia councils. We have rape gangs roaming. We have FGM. We have child marriage. We have honor violence. We have terror attacks. We have uh, intimidation and, 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 and endless ghettoization and conflict, local conflict at a local level. If anyone dares to do or say anything that upsets Muslims, they will start to bully and intimidate. Even Keir Starmer has seen this with his response to the atrocity in Israel when he said Israel has the right to stop resources reaching the Gaza Strip. The Muslims decided, hey, he said something we don't like, and then there's major conflict inside the Labour Party. If you want conflict, get Islam. And, and that's uh, why it's here. And Islam has actually failed to integrate into any society in which it, it, it enters anywhere. Uh, that is, uh, it, it takes over or it for, forms its own enclaves. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is the, you say all Islam is extreme. The people who really vehemently believe in Islam, because I know some Muslims, they say yeah, that, sure. oh, I'm, I, I'm Islamic, I, I follow Islam. Me and they're, 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 they're just regular people who have a yeah. religion. Um, so I'm talking yeah. about the extremist element. They've never integrated. Um, do you fear that, you know, maybe in the near future that, you know, if we don't get rid of some of these people or we don't uh, at least stop the problem coming in, that we could find the West, the UK, vast parts of Europe, uh, particularly Western Europe, uh, the USA, Canada, becoming Islamic states? Eventually, if we keep going the way we are, don't yes. Fight that at some point... Unless something is done at some point. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not being alarmist here. This is what I genuinely see happening. If we don't stop where we, the way we're going, we will have armed Muslim militia take over our streets. I guarantee you that will happen unless we change direction. I guarantee you they will take over at the, bar, at the barrel of a gun. They will. And um, that is, it, it, we, we, we let Lebanon, um, there are other, if you only need to look, at North Africa and the Middle East. None of that was Muslim 1,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it, they have conquered everywhere. They go. It, is in the, it is in the religion's DNA. And they believe in killing the infidel. That is in its scriptures as well. Um, I see, I foresee an armed Muslim militia taking over the streets of our countries. Yes, I do. 
and a frightening prospect that the thought of is becoming an islamic state or even worse a sharia islamic state or a wahhabi state as 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 is promoted uh, by saudi arabia quite frightening uh, and i've had some conspiratorial you know some crazy you know thinking out oh they got digital ids coming what if they can get digital id and social credit all tied in with sharia and get everybody put on it and then if you make a minor indiscretion your phone beeps and then someone turns out with a sword and cuts off your hand or your, your head that would control the population uh Certainly. maybe an extreme example but do you think islam is being brought into the west as a potential not just disruptive force but a force that might be good for controlling the populations in the future yes i mean it's if you are of a controlling mind there isn't any better religion than islam to because it controls through extreme fear a fear of a gruesome death um, yeah. controls every aspect of your life, your personal um, life, your economic life, your love life, your, every aspect of your life yeah. strictly control. So if you are, if you want to control a population, then Islam helps. But I think um, there's two things. One, much of the third world is Islamic. So that's just a, a happy coincidence, not a, a happy addition. They want the third world here. Additionally, it's Islamic. and But mostly it's to sow conflict and, and um, uh, disarray. Amory, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, I'm really glad to Thank come on. You. I'm glad you were my last guest of the year. I'm going to catch up with you next year when you're running uh, in Hartlepool as a parliamentary candidate. I might be doing the same. Who knows? And everyone else, stay tuned in for TNT Radio. I'll be back in 2024.